Happy Sunday and welcome to the Jeremiah Patterson Show. You know, on days like these, I am more grateful than ever to have this platform in terms of putting things into context and explaining it. So the original plan for this, for the opening of the show, was to talk about the Nashville terrorist bombing that took place on Christmas Day in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, But then, you know what? This is the Trump administration, so news just breaks like crazy. Then this article came um, by Amy Gardner at the Washington Post, indicating that President Donald J. Trump pressured the Secretary of State in Georgia to overturn the results of that state's election, therefore giving him a win. If you are not a regular listener of this show, um, welcome. It is understandable that you would click on this episode, given the title. Also, to find some context about this thing right now. If you are a regular listener, thank you for joining me today. But for all of you, uh, thank you for joining me. Welcome. And there is a lot to get to. So the reason you probably clicked on this episode is because of the title. Um, Once again, Amy Gardner at the Washington Post has just broken um, this bombshell story. She was reporting today exclusively that President Donald Trump pressured the Secretary Secretary of State in Georgia to overturn the results of that election. She was the first to report this, and since then it has been corroborated by other news organizations. And yes, it is unsettling, but it also is not surprising, especially under this administration. I mean, on November 7th, after after everyone was sitting around waiting anxiously for the results of the election to come in, it was announced that Joe Biden had won the presidential election. Immediately after that, President Trump and his legal team started the process of requesting recounts and filing lawsuits, and they had every right to do that. That is part of the legal process. That is part of the after-election process. Al Gore did that when he lost to George W. Bush in 2000. However, those lawsuits have failed in multiple courts, even with Trump-appointed judges. So this has been a strategy by the Trump campaign to sort of double-check if Joe Biden actually won the election, which he did. On multiple accounts, the president and others began pushing these these unsubstantiated allegations of voter fraud and conspiracy theories, indicating that secret ballots were in favor of Joe Biden. Now, whether or not you believe these insane conspiracy theories about the 2020 presidential election, there is one thing that we should all agree on, and that is this undermines our democratic republic. Every four years, we either re-elect a president, excuse me, every four years, we either elect a president or re-elect the current one. And after the results, there are no ludicrous allegations of voter fraud or how somehow dead people secretly voted. I mean, all of this is just preposterous. But this is not the first time these things have happened. On December 5th, the Washington Post broke a bombshell story. Here's the headline, quote, Trump calls Georgia governor to pressure him for help overturning Biden's win in that state, end quote. The article is written by Amy Gardner, Colby Ickowitz, and Josh Dawsey. It continues, quote, President Trump called Georgia Governor Brian Kemp Republican on Saturday. President Trump called Republican Governor Brian Kemp on Saturday morning to urge him to persuade the state legislator to overturn President-elect Joe Biden's victory in the state and asked the governor to order an audit of absentee ballot signatures, the latest brazen effort by the president to interfere in the 2020 election. Hours before he was scheduled to hold a rally in Georgia on behalf of the state's two GOP senators, Trump pressured Kemp to call a special session of the state legislature for lawmakers to override the results and appoint electors who would back the president at the Electoral College, according to two people familiar with the conversation who spoke on the condition of anonymity to describe the private call. Quote, 
Trump also asked the governor to demand an audit of signatures on mail-in ballots, something something Kemp has previously noted he has no power to do. Kemp declined the president's entreaty according to the people. The governor later referred to his conversation with Trump in a midday tweet, noting that he had noting that he had told the president that he had already publicly advocated for a signature audit. Kemp's spokesman, Cody, Cody Hall, confirmed that the two men spoke. Trump campaign spokesman Tim Murga declined to comment. End quote. So the president pressured the Republican governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, to overturn the results of the election in that state. Therefore, he would come out victorious in Georgia, not Biden. This is even when Georgia had already conducted multiple recounts of that election and multiple re-canvases. And this is the president essentially saying, I don't like it. Can you give me Georgia by some other means? On December 8th, Mark Nickwit reported at Bloomberg News that Trump pressured state Republicans to overturn Biden's victory. Quote, President Donald Trump has stepped up his personal appeals to state-level Republicans to help overturn the results he lo- overturn the results he lost to Democrat Joe Biden. But at least one Republican U.S. senator is telling him it's time to stop. Trump has been calling or meeting with Republican officials in contested battleground states, including Georgia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, to get state legislators to ignore the popular vote for Joe Biden and appoint rival electors to the Electoral College. So far, the officials have declined, quote, whether it's a legislator or legislators, or whether it's a justice of the Supreme Court or a number of justices on the Supreme Court. Let's see if they have the courage to do what every what everybody in this country knows is right, Trump said Tuesday at a White House event on coronavirus vaccines, end quote. On the same day, Amy Gardner, Josh Dawsey, and Raquel Bade um, at the Washington Post were the first to report that President Trump called the Speaker of the House in Pennsylvania, asking him to overturn Biden's victory in that state. If you recall, um, Pennsylvania is the state that delivered Joe Biden 279 electoral votes over the 270 required mark, thenceforth giving him the election, um, the election result, which means he won. Quote, President Trump called the Speaker of the Pennsylvania House of Republic House of Representatives twice during the past week to make an extraordinary request for help reversing his loss in the state, reflecting a broadening pressure campaign by the president and his allies to try to subvert the result of the 2020 election. The calls confirmed by House Speaker Brian Cutler's office make Pennsylvania the third state where Trump has directly attempted to overturn a result since he lost the election to former Vice President Joe Biden. He previously reached out to Republican to Republicans in Michigan, and on Saturday he pressured Georgia Governor Brian Kemp in a call to try to replace that state's electors. The president's outreach to Pennsylvania's Republicans House leader came later, came after his campaign and its allies decisively lost numerous legal challenges in the state, both in the state and in the federal court. Trump has continued to pressure, excuse me, Trump has continued his baseless claims of widespread voting irregularities, um, both publicly and privately. Quote, the president said, I'm hearing about all these issues in Philadelphia and these issues with your law, said Cutler spokesperson said Cutler spokesperson Michael Strubb, describing the House Speaker's two conversations with Trump. With Trump, the House Speaker said, quote, what can we do to fix it? 
end quote. A White House spokesman declined to comment on the calls to Cutler, and a Trump campaign spokesman did not respond to a request for comment. Cutler told the president at the state that the state legislator does not have the power to overturn the state's chosen slate of electors, said Strub, who was not on the call but was briefed about them afterward. But late last week, the House Speaker was among 60 Republicans, 60 state Republican lawmakers, who sent a letter to Pennsylvania... Pennsylvania's congressional representatives urging them to object to the state's electoral slate on January 6th when Congress is set to formally accept the results. We will find that hundreds of thousands of ballots were illegally cast in your state and all over the country. By the way, more than enough to give us a total historic victory. This is our country. The, they are trying to take it from us through rigging, fraud, deception, and deceit. Hopefully our legislators and the United States Supreme Court will step forward and save our country. Once again, that was President Trump saying we will find hundreds of thousands of ballots of illegal voter fraud. That was President Trump saying that to the Pennsylvania state to the Pennsylvania um, speaker. So crazy, right? Then two days later, the Washington Post reports that the president is pressuring House Republicans to help him overturn the result of the election. The article reads, quote, The president has been calling Republicans, imploring, imploring them to keep fighting and more loudly proclaim the result was stolen while pressuring them, well, excuse me, by pressing them on what they plan to do. He spoke to Arizona Republican Chairwoman Kelly Ward and, and Repu Representative Mike Johnson, head of the Conservative Republican Study Committee, on Wednesday, and is meeting Thursday at the White House with several state attorneys general. The president has also um, enlisted Vice President Mike Pence to reach out to governors and other party leaders in key states to see what else can be done to help the president. A person familiar with the call said Pence had not exerted pressure on lawmakers to take specific actions and sees them as, quote, checking in, end quote. The next day, 126 House Republicans signed on to a lawsuit that would hopefully overturn the election results and reinstall the president for another four years. Subsequently, multiple states' attorney generals, multiple, multiple attorney generals in states signed on to a lawsuit that would overturn the results of the election in battleground states. Um, that lawsuit went all the way up to the Supreme Court and ultimately failed. Then on December 14th, the Electoral College officially certified Joe Biden as the winner of the presidential election. But the president just can't get over that. And so today, President Trump picked up the phone and called the Georgia Secretary of State and asked him to recalculate the vote in his favor. The reporter who broke this piece is Amy Gardner. She writes at the Washington Post, quote, President Trump urged fellow Republican Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State, to find enough votes to overturn his defeat in an extraordinary one-hour phone call Saturday that election experts said raised legal questions. The Washington Post obtained a recording of the conversation in which Trump alternately berated Raffensperger, tried to flatter him, begged him to act, and threatened him with vague criminal consequences if the Secretary of State refused to pursue his false claims. At one point, warning that Raffensperger was taking, quote, a big risk, end quote. Throughout the phone call, Raffensperger and his office as general counsel rejected Trump's assertions, explaining that the president was relying on debunked conspiracy theories and that the president-elect Joe Biden's 11,779,000 vote victory in Georgia was fair and accurate. Trump dismissed these arguments.
end quote. So once again, this is Amy Gardner reporting at the Washington Post. Once again, she was first to report this. She broke this story exclusively today, and she also published a phone call. She also published the phone call of this exchange with the president and the Georgia Secretary of State. Now, the call is an hour long. The full phone call is an hour long. But the smoking gun tape, as people like to call it, and as was a famous term in Watergate, the smoking gun tape is just four minutes. Both of these will be linked in the description of this episode. They will also be up on our website if you want to listen to them for yourselves. And I know you have probably heard the smoking gun tape already. That is probably circulating around the news right now, um, as many people are just listening to that part of the call. But I actually want you to listen to how the call starts. Just listen to how the call started. So, Mr. President, everybody is on the line. And just so this is Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, just so we all are aware, um, uh, on the line is Secretary of State uh, and uh, two other individuals, uh, Jordan and Mr. Germany. Uh, With him, you also have uh, the attorneys that represent uh, the president, uh, Kurt and Alex and Cleta Mitchell, uh, who is not the attorney of record, but uh, has been involved myself and then, uh, the president. So Mr. President, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Okay. Thank you very much. Hello, Brad and Ryan and everybody. We appreciate the time and the call. Um, so we've spent a lot of time on this and, uh, if we could just go over some of the numbers, I think it's pretty clear that we won. We won very substantially, uh, Georgia. Uh, you even see it by rally size, frankly. We'd be getting 25, 30,000 people a rally, and uh, the competition would get less than 100 people, and it never made sense. But we have a, a number of things. We have at least two or three, anywhere from 250 to 300,000 ballots were dropped mysteriously into the rolls. Much of that had to do with uh, Fulton County. Uh, which hasn't been checked. We think that if you check the signatures, a real check of the signatures going back in Fulton County, you'll find at least a couple of hundred thousand of uh, forged signatures of uh, people with uh, that who's, who have been forged. Uh, and uh, we are quite sure that's going to happen. Another, uh, another tremendous number, we're going to have an ac- accurate number over the next two days with certified accountants, uh, but an accurate number of uh, will be given, but it's, it's uh, in the 50s of thousands. Uh, and that's people that went to vote and they were told they can't vote because they've already been voted for. Uh, and uh, it's a very sad thing. They walked out uh, complaining, but they, the, the number is large. We'll have it for you, but it's, very, it's much more than the uh, number of 11,779. That's the, the current margin is only 11,779. Brad, I think I think you agree with that, right? That's that's something I think everyone, at least that's a number that everyone agrees on. But that's the difference uh, in the votes. But we've had uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of ballots that we're, uh, we're, we're able to actually, we'll get you a pretty accurate number. You don't need much of a number because the number that, in theory, I lost by the margin would be 11,779. Uh, but you also have uh, substantial uh, numbers of people, thousands and thousands, who went to the voting place on November 3rd, were told they couldn't vote, were told they couldn't vote because a ballot had been put in on their name. And, uh, you know, that's uh, very, very 
very, very sad. We had... Uh, so that was just part of the opening of the call. Once again, President Donald Trump in this call, um, he is speaking right now. This is his long, long opening. And I assure you, it is long. Um, if you read the transcript of the call and actually go back and listen to the, um, if you go back and listen to the the um, the audio of the call, at one point, the President Trump's opening is so long that the chief of staff, Mark Meadows, the White House chief of staff, interjects and says, okay, Mr. President, the, the chief of staff actually says this. The chief of staff interjects because the president is giving this long, long introduction. He just goes on. So the chief of staff says this, quote, so, Mr. President, if I might be able to jump in, and I'll give Brad a chance, Mr. Secretary, obviously there is, there are allegations where we believe there are not, there. that's not every vote or fair vote or legal vote was counted, and that's at odds with representation from the Secretary of State's office. Here's that exchange with the Secretary of State and the White House Chief of Staff. Many affidavits to that effect. So, Mr. President, if I if I might be able to jump in and I'll give Brad a chance, uh, uh, Mr. Secretary, uh, one of the, obviously uh, there is uh, there are allegations where we believe that uh, not every vote or fair vote and legal vote was was counted. Uh, and that's at odds with the representation from the Secretary of State's office. Uh, what I'm hopeful for is, is there some way that we can, we can find, uh, some kind of an agreement to, to, uh, to look at this a little bit more fully. Uh, you know, the president mentioned Fulton County, but in some of these areas where there seems to be uh, a difference, uh, of, where the facts uh, seem to lead. And so, Mr. Secretary, I was uh, hopeful that, you know, in a spirit of uh, cooperation and compromises, there, there's something that uh, we can at least have a discussion to look at some of these allegations uh, to, uh, to find a, a path forward that's less litigious. Well, uh, I've listened to what you know, the president has just said. President Trump, uh, we've had several lawsuits, and we've had to respond in court to the lawsuits and the contentions. Uh, we don't agree that you have one. We don't. We, I didn't agree about the 200,000 number that you mentioned. And I could go through that point by point. What we had done is we gave our state senate uh, about one and a half hours of, of our time going through the election issue by issue. And then on the state house, uh, the government affairs committee, we gave them about two and a half hours of our time going back point by point on all the issues of contention. And then uh, just a few days ago, we met with uh, our U.S. congressman, Republican congressman, uh, and we gave them about two hours of our time uh, talking about this past election. Uh, going back, primarily what you're what you've talked about here focused in on primarily, I believe, is the absentee ballot process. I don't believe that you're really questioning the, uh, the, the Dominion machines because we did a hand retally, a 100% retally of all the ballots and compared that to what the machine said, and, and it came up with virtually the same result. Then we did the recount, and we got virtually the same result. So I, I guess we could probably take that off the table. I don't think there's an issue about that. Um, I think what well, you were well, Brad, 
So that was after the president's long introduction, the um, the White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, then goes to interject saying, so Mr. President, if I may be able to jump in here. Um, and then the president starts talking, is, essentially it just gets weird. The president talks about this State Farm ad. He talks about the internet, how voters in Alabama and South Carolina are, are voting illegally. He also talks about, you know, you know, Brad, votes were dropped in there in the middle of the night. You know what they did. I mean, just absolutely ludicrous. So that is the part um, that that's just another part of the call. Um, Now, here's the reason why you clicked on this episode. This right here, this is the smoking gun tape. Listen. We have won this election in Georgia based on all of this. And there's there's nothing wrong with with saying that, Brad. You know, I mean, having... The, having a correct, the people of Georgia are angry, and these numbers are going to be repeated on Monday night, along with others that we're going to have by that time, which are much more substantial even. And the people of Georgia are angry. The people of the country are angry, and there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, uh, that you've recalculated. Well, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. Now. Do you think it's possible that they uh, shredded ballots in uh, Fulton County? Because that's what the rumor is. And also that Dominion took out machines. Uh, That Dominion is really moving fast to get rid of their uh, machinery. Do you know anything about that? Because that's illegal. No, Ryan Germany. No, Dominion is not. um, Moved any machinery out of Fulton County? We're having. Well, but no, but but have they moved? Have they? Have they moved the inner parts of the machines and replaced them with other parts? No. You sure, Ryan? I'm sure. You should want to have an accurate election. And you're a Republican. We believe that we do have an accurate election. No, I no you don't. No, no, you don't. You don't have you don't have not even close. You got you're off by hundreds of thousands of votes. You know what they did, and you're not reporting it. That's a, you know, that's a criminal, that's a criminal offense, and and you know you can't let that happen. That's that's a big risk to you and to Ryan, your lawyers. That's a big risk, but they are shredding ballots, in my opinion, based on what I've heard, and they are removing machinery, uh, and they're moving it as fast as they can both of which are criminal fines and you can't let it happen and you are letting it happen. You know, I mean, I'm notifying you that you're letting it happen. So look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have because we won the state. So, so tell me, Brad, what are we going to do? We won the election, and it's not fair to take it away from us like this. And it's going to be very costly in many ways. And I think you have to say that you're going to reexamine it, and you can reexamine it, but but reexamine it with people that want to find answers, not people that don't want to find answers. Uh, For instance, I'm hearing Ryan, and he's probably... I'm sure a great lawyer and everything, but he's making statements about those ballots that he doesn't know. But he's making them with such he he did make them with surety, 
But now I think he's less sure because the answer is they all went to Biden. And that alone wins us the election by a lot. You know, so. Mr. President, uh, you have people that submit information and we have our people that submit information and then it comes before the court and the court then has to make a determination. We have to stand by our numbers. We believe our numbers are right. Well, under law, you're not allowed to give faulty election results, okay? You're not allowed to do that, and that's what you've done. This is a faulty election result. And honestly, this should go very fast. You should meet tomorrow because you have a big election election coming up, and because of what you've done to the president, you know, the people of, of uh, Georgia know that this was a scam. And because of what you've done to the president, a lot of people aren't going out to vote. And a lot of Republicans are going to vote negative because they hate what you did to the president. Okay? They hate it. And they're going to vote. And if you would be respected, if really respected, if this thing could be straightened out before the election. You have a big election coming up on Tuesday. Once again, just this absolutely unsettling phone call with President Trump pressuring the Georgia Secretary of State to overturn the results of that election in that state, therefore making him the winner and Biden would lose. Also, I get to win by one vote, I mean right down to the number. Whether or not you support the president, you should be concerned about this. Eric Lipton at the New York Times reports, quote, Trump call to Georgia official might violate state and federal law. Quote, the call by President Trump on Saturday to Georgia's Secretary of State raised the prospect that Mr. Trump may have violated laws that prohibit interference in federal or state elections, by law but lawyers said on Sunday that it would be difficult to pursue such a charge against the president. The recording of the conversations between Mr. Trump and Jordan Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger of Georgia, first reported by the Washington Post, led a number of election and criminal defense lawyers to conclude that by pressuring Mr. Raffensperger to find the votes he would need to reverse the election outcome in that state, Mr. Trump either broke the law or came close to it. Quote, it seems like to, it seems like to me what he did clearly violates Georgia statutes, said Leanne Webster, an Atlanta criminal defense attorney, citing a state law that makes it illegal for anyone who, quote, solicits, requests, commands, importunes, or otherwise attempts to cause the other person to engage in election fraud. At the federal level, anyone who, quotes, knowingly and willfully deprives, defrauds, or attempts to deprive or defraud the residents of a state of a fair and impartially conducted election process is therefore breaking the law. End quote. You know, if these were normal times, President Trump would be impeached, right? But this is just a Sunday in the Trump administration. Also, the Republicans would not convict him in the Senate. We are a nation of the rule of law. We have a democratic republic. We have presidents, not kings, nor queens, nor dictators, nor autocrats or authoritarians. But what the president has just done not only further weakens our democratic republic, but leaves behind a dangerous blueprint for anyone who wants to try this in the future. This news is disheartening, it is unsettling, and I feel some perspective is definitely needed. Ms. Najima Davis-Washington joins me next. At a time when we're asked to sacrifice, we step up to do our part. On the home front, on the front lines, to lend a helping hand and hold each other up. We are resilient, vigilant, and we'll get through this because we're better together, even if we're a little farther apart. 
Welcome back. We are continuing to follow the breaking news that President Trump pressured the Georgia Secretary of State to recalculate the vote in his favor. According to Amy Gardner at the Washington Post, quote, President Trump urged fellow Republican Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State, to find enough votes to overturn his defeat in an extraordinary one-hour phone call Saturday that election experts said raised legal uh, questions, end quote. Um, uh, joining me now for the interview is Ms. Najima Davis-Washington to talk about this news. Ms. Uh, Washington, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, in this phone call with the Georgia Secretary of State, the president deliberately asked him to find 11,780,000 votes um, to make him the winner. Right now, Biden's victory is 11,700. 11,779,000 votes. Um, so all the president needs is one more vote to win a Georgia's race. Um, what do you make of this phone call? I believe this phone call is unfortunately in line with what we've seen from this entire presidency. Um, uh, it is despicable to say the least. I have mm. been so upset with the attempts at erosion of our democracy. Mm -hmm. I, I would have never guessed four, six years ago that we would be in a position like this. Nevertheless, um, this is what you get when you elect a person such as Donald J. Trump to the presidency. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's mind blowing. And it's, it's, it's disheartening. Yeah. It's very disheartening because never before have we in our lifetime and in, in my lifetime and in your lifetime you know going forward mm -hmm. have we seen anything like this where yeah. someone simply cannot accept the fact that in this case they lost it it, it, it is the picture of white supremacy mm -hmm. um white privilege uh in its face and yeah. it's um i'll just keep saying the same words over and over again despicable <laughs> heartening um it, the the gall the actual gall of this man um to try to undo what has been done, what has been spoken by the people. We've never seen this before. Mm -hmm. And the links, um, just, he's, he's giving his playbook. Yeah. He's showing us how he operates. He's giving us his playbook. And it's, it's so unfortunate that people will think that this is okay going forward because mm -hmm. this is not okay. He has emboldened a, a whole generation. There are millions of people who follow his rhetoric and who unfortunately will believe and will fight to the end thinking that this is okay mm -hmm. and that he has some legitimacy in this. And the people have spoken over and over and over again. There were more than enough recounts in Georgia. Yeah. Th this is unnecessary. And it's, it is dangerous. It's dangerous 
to our country and the attempts at erosion of our democracy, but it's also dangerous for other countries to see this from Most the definitely. United States of America. Um, I, the president has continued with this. Um, there was a history of the president during this, the president pressuring the Pennsylvania House Speaker um, just recently. Um, other other reports um, confirmed that the president pressured the uh, excuse me, the governor of Georgia to overturn the results um, to make him the winner instead of Biden. Um, the president continues to do this, pushing these these unconfirmed allegations, not, not unconfirmed, they are ind indeed false. These unsubstantiated allegations um, of voter fraud, people do believe that this is gonna lead to eventually violence. Um, January 6th of this year, um, the Electoral College is, not the Electoral College, um, Vice President Mike Pence is supposed to certify in Congress the results of the 2020 presidential election. The president has just told the Proud Boys, this white supremacist group to be in the streets and be ready, it'll be wild. What do you make of this? This, I mean, I have no words. It's it's very it's very dangerous. It's it's one of the things that's had me um, on edge, to be mm -hmm. completely honest. Um, there, there is enough violence against Black and Brown people on a regular basis, um, whether it be police brutality or racism that people encounter in all systems. So for the president to be so bold as to basically continue his statements from the debates, stand back and stand down and stand mm -hmm. by. Just terrible, inciting violence against people. Um, I, I, I hold my breath because I don't know when this is going to end. Mm. Because as I said, he has emboldened so many people at this point. Yeah, They think that this violence is okay. That you know, false and unsubstantiated, erroneous claims. All you have to do is keep shouting them, mm -hmm. and that'll make it okay. And it's yeah. not okay. There's a bit of decency that we've lost mm -hmm. when it comes to this presidency. We've lost a decency, a, a fairness, true justice. Because as I've said before, you know, and, and in your research, what we're seeing from his claims, we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. He won, uh, the, President Trump won the uh, 2016 election, um, you know, by a, a, an amount that that is uh, slightly less than what Joe Biden won. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, he won the election. You didn't see Hillary Clinton coming back saying, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Even though we know so much more about that election now, mm -hmm. you know, or earlier uh, people really encouraged everyone to, to watch uh, Al Gore's speech uh, conceding uh, his failed election, his, his lost election, because there is an honor yeah, there is a duty. There's there's something greater than having to be the winner when you further divide the country. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have right now. The country is further divided by 
a mad Jeremiah. Once again, my guest is Miss Najima Davis Washington. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I know this was breaking news, and it was, um, it, wow, just astonishing. Uh, thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, and happy New Year. All right, and happy New Year to you too. We'll be right back. In this world where people are staying at home, many of life's moments are being put on hold. At Carvana, we understand that for some, getting a car just can't wait. That's why the new way to buy and sell a car is also the safer way. At Carvana, you can do it all 100% online from home with a touchless delivery and pickup process to keep you safe. And for even greater peace of mind, all Carvana cars come with a seven-day return policy. So if you need to keep moving, it's our goal to keep you safe. Check out Carvana, the safer way to buy a car. At around 5.30 a.m. on Christmas morning in Nashville, Tennessee, residents on 2nd Avenue thought they heard gunshots. Others believed that the sound was an amplified recording with the intent of waking them up. Then there was a weird recorded caveat from a loudspeaker on the RV, on an RV. The computerized voice said, quote, Evacuate now. This vehicle has a bomb and will explode. End quote. Um, shortly after that, it was no longer a warning, but it was a 15-minute countdown. Police officers responded to this at about 6 a.m. after receiving reports of gunfire. As police arrived, they recall not seeing any evidence of gunshots. But they did come across a suspicious RV parked near an AT&T transmission building. When they, when they um, heard what the RV was broadcasting, they called in the bomb squad. Before the bomb squad um, arrived, the police officers went door to door, urging residents to evacuate immediately. According to the Washington Post, they also turned one man around who was walking his dog. Then at 6.30 a.m., the RV exploded near the 2nd Avenue, North and Commerce Street as well, smashing windows, doors, signs, and eradicating buildings. Reportedly, flames of fire went up in the air. This is audio of an officer telling people to get to their car and evacuate the area. Are you guys okay? okay. Where's your car? Okay, go to your car. Multiple people were injured in this terrorist attack. The Washington Post published um, an account of one woman's experience on that early Christmas morning in Nashville, Tennessee. Quote, Williams, the Second Avenue resident, said she was sleeping upstairs. Excuse me, said she was sleeping with her wife, um, Kim Maldon, when they were jolted awake by the sound of gunfire a little before 5:30 a.m. and called 911. When the sound repeated in the same pattern, she figured it might have been a recording. She said, "Quote: It was like it. It was been. It was like it was being fired right next to your head, almost." Maldon told the Post, "Quote." It was unrealistically loud in retrospect, and it was the exact same pattern all three times. <clears throat> Quote, peering out, um, peering out her third story window, the 59-year-old said she could see an RV parked across the street. It was like a light-colored vehicle the size of a small bus that looked like at least a couple of decades old, she said. As she surveyed the scene, a voice came bombing. A voice came booming from the camper. It was saying, quote, This vehicle has a bomb. You must evacuate the area. End quote. Then a countdown message began, um, telling people that they had 15 minutes to leave. Maldon said she and her three she and her three family members decided to flee. Quote, this was the thing that made us go, she said. They scrambled into an elevator on um, as the RV blared an 11-minute warning, then piled into their cars to keep watch from a secure distance. After about 20 minutes, there was no explosion. Thinking the whole episode was a sick prank, Maldon said that they headed back. Quote, 
The RV detonated just as they were rounding the corner back on 2nd Avenue, according to Maldon. Quote, it was the biggest plum of fire that shot up, she said. We could see that, we could see that from up the street. We were just shocked. From a block away, they could see that their buildings' back windows were blown out. Somehow, Maldon said, their Christmas tree was still lit. Firefighters soon arrived and told them to clear the area. Maldon, who works for a vacation property manager and hospital receptionist, says she and her family are staying in a local hotel, processing what had happened and counting their blessings. blessings. Their building is badly damaged, and they don't know what, if any, belongings they'll be able to recover. But they're grateful that they weren't physically harmed. Quote, we almost didn't go, she said. We almost didn't take it seriously. Whoever did this certainly intended for all of us to leave. End quote. The mayor of Nashville, Tennessee, um, said that 2020 has been the year of the first responders and that they were on the scene immediately after this bombing. This explosion in Nashville, Tennessee was a suicide bombing, but many newspapers and news organizations are reluctant to use that term. Also, people are enraged that this is not being labeled as domestic terrorism. It de- indeed, it is. According to the girlfriend of the Nashville terrorist, um, ter- according, excuse me, according to the girlfriend of the Nashville terrorist bomber, um, she warned police 16 months prior to this explosion in a police report about what her boyfriend was doing. Now, I've read the actual police report, but I before I read that to you, um, I want you to actually take a listen to this 911 phone call. This is the attorney for the Nashville suicide bomber's girlfriend. Listen. Metro Nashville 911, what is the address of your emergency? Well, I'm not exactly sure. Let me explain to you what I got. I'm, I'm an attorney here in Nashville, have been about 30 years. My name is Ray Throckmorton. Phone number I'm calling from is... And that is my personal cell phone. I have a client who has called me this morning, and her full legal name is Pam Pamela Perry. And she has made a number of, of threats about her own life, and I believe her to be at the following address. It is 3816 Seifert Lane, spelled S-Y-F-E-R-T. That's Nashville, Tennessee, 37211. I am on my way to that address right now. She is armed. She has firearms. She has told me that this morning. She is supposedly with the firearms on the front porch. But I can tell you that if a bunch of police cars and ambulances pull up with sirens wailing and lights flashing, that she will shoot herself. So I need a police officer to meet me over there where maybe I can defuse this situation. Okay, I don't want you going right to the house, but just repeat the address for me for verification. It is 3816 Seifert, S-Y-F-E-R-T, Lane, Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Is this a house, apartment, or a duplex? Do you know? Uh, it's a home over in, in the Tusculum area okay. uh, off of Haywood Lane. Okay. What is Pamela's description? Is she white, black, Hispanic, Asian? She is white. She's middle-aged. I don't know. Pamela's, what, uh, maybe mid-50s? Yeah. Last time I saw her, she had red hair. Yeah. Last time I saw her, she had dyed her hair red. Okay. And... I understand that it was the suicidal threats, but tell me exactly what happened, what she said. She has 
uh, threatened uh, to take her own life. And she has also given me information about another uh, resident of that part of Nashville who is, um, I think, also got some mental and emotional problems, who is allegedly building bombs in his house on Bakertown Road, which is right off of Antioch Pike. And I have reason to believe that there might actually be more truth to what she's telling me about him than what she's telling me about herself. Okay. So that's not happening at this address. Is that correct? It, it is not. What is the, hold on, do we know the Bakertown Road address? I, I'm, I'm going to have to look it up. Okay, that's okay. Uh, and and, and that guy's name, yeah, yeah, I'll tell that to the officer when he gets uh, there, but I'm on the way right now. Yeah, I don't want you to go right to the house, so what kind of vehicle are you in? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in a black uh, Chevy uh, Avalanche uh, with tinted windows and, and, um, uh, once again, that was a 911 call. Um, that was the attorney for Anthony Warner's girlfriend, which, of course, Warner is the suicide bomber. Um, this is what the police report reads from August 1st, August 21st, 2019. Quote, on August 21st, 2019, police responded to a call for service at, then it says the address, um, with and spoke with Operation One. During the incident of Operation One, um, during the incident, Operation One made statements that her boyfriend, which is a suspect, was building bombs in the RV trailer at his residence. While on the scene, what then it states address, we also spoke with Operation Two. Operation Two stated that he is an attorney for Operation One and the suspect, and that, excuse me, Operation One, and that the suspect frequently talks about the military and bomb making. He stated that he believes that the suspect knows what he is doing and is capable of making a bomb. Police then responded to suspects to, to the suspects' residence. Police knocked on the door but did not receive an answer. Police observed that there was an RV trailer in the backyard, but the yard was fenced off and police could not see inside the RV. Police also observed what the location has what the location has excuse me police also observed that the location has several security cameras and wires attached to an alarm on the front door police attempted several times but they police attempted several times but could not get the suspect to open the door and police did not have contact with him end quote <clears throat> so this is what the police report says this is the police's experience about this and it's just remarkable and we also know that according to the New York Times, Warner lived a reclusive life. Um, the Tennessean was the first to report this, and we now have access to all of this information. If you are interested, this will be up on our website for public view. The Nashville Police Department is defending their response to this fact, um, to the fact that they received information that he was building a bomb. Um, the tallest building in Tennessee is the AT&T building, which is the place where the Nashville terrorist decided to park his to park his RV. The mayor of Nashville, Tennessee, John Cooper, believes that there was a connection and that he deliberately targeted that building. Based on public reporting, we also know that the Nashville terrorist believed in the 5G conspiracy theory, um, that 5G technology is surreptitiously surveilling Americans. He also reportedly believed in aliens, lizard people, and 9-11 conspiracy theories. 
According to WKRN News, the FBI um, is now saying that the Nashville terrorist bomber sent materials expressing his viewpoints to acquaintances. Um, there is no elaboration on that, but I suppose we will um, receive more information as this investigation continues. Reportedly, nonprofit organizations have been providing food to the Nashville bombing victims. According to Cassandra Stephenson at the Tennessean, 10 buildings in Nashville have been deemed unsafe for use or occupancy. The Tennessee Republican governor and Democratic mayor of Nashville, Tennessee, said that they have not yet received a phone call from President Trump about, the, about this terrorist attack. In public, the president has also said nothing about this. He's been staying quiet. Contrary to that, President-elect Joe Biden has vehemently condemned this act of terrorism and has adulated first responders. You know, it is enraging that the president has said nothing, but unfortunately, it is not surprising. We do need leadership at this very pivotal, pivotal time in American history. As of today, officially, more than 350,000 Americans are dead. 17 days till Joe Biden becomes the president of the United States, till he is sworn in on Inauguration Day. Thank you so very much for listening to this episode of the Jeremiah Patterson Show. The news this week has been a lot. Um, but if you think today was crazy, wait until Saturday and Sunday. Those are going to be very, very long episodes. Hopefully not. But this week is about to be crazy. Um, so thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Jeremiah Patterson Show. This news will be crazy, of course, in terms of the news. I will be publishing my full interview with Miss Najima Davis Washington on our website. You can find that information there. Thank you again for listening to this episode. Remember to wear your mask. Stay safe because cases, hospitalizations, and deaths are rising. God bless all of you. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next weekend.